Welcome to Admit, Deny, Waitlist, a podcast from the College Counselors at Kentucky Country Day. I'm Danny Easley. And I'm Derek Pickin. This week, we interview Bob Nesmith, Dean of Admission and Financial Aid at Center College. And my former boss. Bob tells us about the impact of COVID-19 on the admission cycle and offers his perspective on how college recruitment has changed this year. Enjoy. Hi, friends. My name is Bob Nesmith, and I am Dean of Admission and Financial Aid at Center College. Admit or deny that the admissions process this year has changed significantly. I will admit the admission process has changed significantly, maybe with the, um, the qualification that it's sort of amplified existing trends, I think, in some ways. For instance, um, test optional is a trend that all of a sudden got a whole lot of juice um, about six months ago. Um, the um, um, so so I think it, it's it's turned up some knobs that were already trending that way, um, and I think it's had a in some ways a bifurcated impact uh, when I think about the, the way it's impacted different populations. We were talking the other day in our office um, trying to sort out um, application patterns um, and how to understand uh, the numbers we're seeing in our applicant pool. And it, and it feels like um, there's a whole segment of students, um, largely students who um, are more sophisticated, more likely to be from, uh, you know, some level of, of affluence, uh, middle and upper middle class and, and higher, um, who already know a fair amount about the process and have a lot of support uh, at home. And for them, it's been, yeah, let's get some stuff done early. We're online with school. Um, we'll we'll get everything in hurry-up mode. Um, and then there's a, a whole different segment. Um, students that come from less sophisticated high schools, um, uh, even, even well-off students from less sophisticated high schools that um, have less access to advice on the process, um, first-generation students, students of color, um, for whom the process has simply stalled out. And they, they, they don't know where to go with it. Um, the, and taking the step of submitting applications is more daunting. And you see it nationally in the, the trends on the common application where, um, where those students uh, are applying in significantly lower numbers. We see it in our pool. We're up across the board with pretty much every population uh, except for um, we're up a little less with students of color. We're up a good bit less with students of color and first-generation students. Um, we're not down, and I consider that a, a pretty significant accomplishment. If you think about the way a um, the kind of typical questions you get at a planning for college night, you know, right. talk to us about standardized tests and what your strategy should be with standardized tests. Well. Who the heck knows this year? <laughs> Can you even get, get into one? <laughs> um, uh, uh, talk about how you should approach campus visits and where you should start. Well, you can't. Um, 
uh, in large measure. Um, so some of the foundational points, particularly for, for students in this process, have, have just been yanked away. Um, um, so I will admit it has changed significantly. Bob, I have a little bit of a, a follow-up with that. What, yeah. what are some key things that you think have just stayed have stayed the stayed the same? Key aspects of, of you know the college admissions or the search process that are always standard that have stayed that stayed the same this year. For places like us, especially, uh, much is still built on personal connection and personal relationships, and that's the same. Uh, those are just established through different means. Okay. Um, it's not going to be through um, travel and college fairs and um, uh, meeting kids that way, but um, Zoom interviews are great. In some ways, a whole lot easier than, than in-person interviews for so many students. Yeah. Um, so that I, I would say that still matters, uh, and it's important for, I would think, your students to, to note that and take advantage of those opportunities. It still matters. Um, taking tough courses in high school still is going to be the best predictor of success. Doing well in those courses is still going to be a strong predictor of success. Performing your best in the context in which you find yourself studying is still going to matter. Those contexts are going to vary a lot more widely this year for students. Right. Um, but uh, I think colleges are going to make an extraordinary effort to judge students within those contexts, you know, and learn about that context um, before making decisions. <laughs> uh, a, a little cynically, I suppose, uh, I think uh, kids will uh, still apply based on um, household names and what they know and what their parents know and where their friends <laughs> went and, you right. know. Um, that, that's probably uh, turned up a little bit. That's something I worry about, that, yeah. that um, when you, it's hard to get to know new places, you just fall back on places that you already know something about. Okay. We haven't even talked about extracurricular stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, how different all that is. Um, uh, we haven't talked about athletic recruiting and the um, how, how different... That becomes, but um, but uh, you know, especially thinking below a D one level, um, uh, places still need kid need to fill their rosters, um, right? And uh, and a lot of smaller colleges still still are hungry for those students for enrollment. Um, sure. So, athletic recruiting still happening. Um, yeah. Uh, especially these places. And um, as our coaches have discovered, with D1 recruiting in a lockdown, um, D3 places uh, can pick off some, some tweeners um, right, right. Um, that, that normally wouldn't look our way, especially this early in the process. You know, they'd be focused on um, Pioneer League or, or low-level D1, whatever, um, and... Uh, and we're getting in the door with them this year. Interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe we could talk about that on our next uh, our next question. This actually, brings us to our next segment. That as far question as question two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and yeah. also for for a public service for all the listeners out there, um, bifurcated 
means fork. <laughs> so I know I know Bob used that earlier, and I had to I had to look it up while we were while we were um, in, in discussion. So I figured there might be some others that needed. He's just a, a man who lives who, who who works on a college campus can use words like that. Appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. It, it takes our it, it kind of ratchets up the intellectualism on this class on this. Uh, podcast come on guys your your moms knew what that word meant (laughs) (laughs) all right so bob our next question is admit or deny that it's been more difficult to evaluate applications this year i will admit that it's been a little more difficult um but not astoundingly more difficult for for us um the the big change is that we went test optional this year, and um, that's going to be true for a whole lot of places. Um, and that changes uh, your process. Um, it's a, a point of reference that even if um, even if you have a, a process that uses test scores holistically and sensitively and knows where they're not predictive and, you know, uh, I think over the years we've been very good uh, about that um, and knowing how to identify well-matched good students whose test scores don't really tell us much about their potential. Even if all that's true, if you no longer have that piece of context, um, it changes the way you um, you think through and examine uh, an application. Um, in some ways, it's liberating, um, really liberating. Let's say a uh, uh, a student uh, for whom English is not the primary language spoken at home. You don't find yourself um, distracted by a test score that just probably doesn't give you any idea of their potential. And you can focus mm-hmm. on the stuff that does. So it's different. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily more difficult. Um, the, um, I mean, it's early in our reading process, too, so I have to say uh, I am not, I am not um, neck deep um, in application review just yet. Um, I'm about to learn a whole lot more this week about about that. I think you mentioned Bob before, as far as from the from the activities and things like yeah. that. So do you do you feel like as you've kind of done some of these initial reviews that um, how have you been able to evaluate a student who wasn't able to do those athletics or wasn't able to do um, uh, some sort of you know continue on with clubs or do volunteer work or all those different things that students do that that are on their resume that they weren't able to do throughout the spring or into the summer or into their junior year? Has that made it difficult to, to evaluate students or, or how have you been able to put that in context and evaluate students? You know, remember it's sort of a, a level playing field (laughs) on that. Uh, in some ways it's probably hardest on late bloomers. Um, Logically, um, extracurricularly as well as academically, the kid who maybe took a couple years to find their their niche uh, extracurricularly has been sampling um, uh, because you have to you have to lean so hard on 
their first two and a half years of high school to sort right. of project mm-hmm. here's what it, it would have looked like if they'd, if they'd kept at it. The athletic stuff is hard, and yet um, it's not so hard for recruited athletes um, in, in terms of evaluating them. You know, our coaches tell us who the, who the athletes are that they are interested in. Um, right. We're, we're not having to judge that by who's the captain or who got All-State or, or whatever. Sure. They tell us. Um, right. Now, for the kid who's just been a good team member and it's a piece of their, you know, involvement and, and leadership in high school, that's that's missing um, yeah. and a little bit harder to evaluate. I think students um, have been have been somewhat creative about uh, how they uh, continue things. A lot of students who uh, come from a lot of students who who generally have to work have continued working um, and have worked more even. Um, uh, that's been interesting to me. Um, you know, the kid who who maybe worked uh, 15 hours a week in pre-COVID times is now working 30 hours a week. Um, um, that's been kind of interesting to see. Or... <laughs> Or the the student um, who has to take care of two younger siblings because both parents are essential workers. Right. Um, it's not the the impact isn't straightforwardly the same uh, on everybody, um, but we're all having to to figure out how to how to reconfigure what we think is um, predictors of a, of success. Here, I guess the other thing I say is, um, at our place, um, I think what's happened is kids get the benefit of the doubt more often. Um, okay, and we're probably a little more generous on that um, than we ordinarily would be. Um, it's probably inflating a lot of application ratings in our pool, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, which is interesting, and I and I haven't looked at. Um, uh, as I say, we, we're just now sort of wading into our early action pool. I haven't looked at the, the distribution of ratings, but my guess is they'll be um, a little bit higher uh, because we're trying to give a little grace on that. Right. But we're nice. Not everybody's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, that's, I think that's, that's reassuring to hear for, for students and parents that that colleges recognize that and understand that and are trying to give that grace, um, you know, during this time. There's, you know, it's the, the mental adjustment. I think anybody who's an experienced uh, reviewer has to make is comparing applicants in current circumstance to each other and not to past applicants from past years. Um, it just looks different. Um, yeah. Your point of reference can't be what the top tier kid what looked like two years ago. It's right. what does the top tier look like this year? Um, yeah. Bob, admit or deny that students can still get a good sense of a college's culture without admitted student days or other special programming. I will deny that students cannot get a good sense of a place's culture without 
admitted student events and yield events and so forth. Um, and the reason I will deny that is because we have plenty of students every year who choose us sight unseen. Every, mm-hmm. Virtually every international student we enroll has chosen us sight unseen. Um, uh, any number of students from far-flung places, uh, especially if they um, are less affluent, um, will choose us sight unseen. And so I know that can happen and can work and can work well uh, and happily. It's riskier. It feels riskier to students. You have to be uh, a little more uh, adventurous and willing to uh, step into the unknown a bit. And my hunch is that there's not a lot of students who are ready to, to do that in normal times. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they're willing to do that now um, because right. they, they don't have the, the option. Um, but it's harder. It, it is harder. Do you, have, do you have any, because our population of students are the type that, that, get, that usually get started, many of them get started or want to get started on kind of the college search process pretty early on. Right. And they want to, you know, spend, um, you know, a time during the summer between their sophomore and junior year even, as early as that, to oh, go yeah. visit some colleges. Oh, or yeah. fall break during their junior year to go visit colleges. Um, and, and many of them take lots of time during the spring once they get their acceptances back to go kind of do even a second or third visit to oh, a yeah. school. Of, you are, of you maybe are describing top. Elizabeth Nesmith's college search. <laughs> there you go. You know, to, to give that, that second or third look at, a, at their top two or three choices just so they know that they're sure of where they want to go. So do you have any advice for, the, for that type of student as ways that they can or things that they need to be looking for or people they need to be talking to or ways that they can get to know a school um, without maybe visiting campus or or visiting campus in the traditional sense, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We churn out the virtual content like machines, man. Um, (laughs) And uh, and I, I think a lot of what center is doing is is pretty good along those lines in terms of um, having panels and discussions where you can hear from actual students um, and I mean that's that's the the thing that's important about visiting a place right it's you know uh, yes it's partly walking around and, and seeing if you can imagine yourself there but usually imagining yourself there is a matter of saying hey do I fit with these people um, mm-hmm. and it's all the intangible cues you pick up about who, who those folks are um, when you see them on a place but so you got to spend a little more time um, uh, finding opportunities to hear students talk about their place um, and uh, some of that's in online content. Um, some of it may be um, through conversations that are not formally arranged by the college, uh, if you can manage that. Uh, but I think uh, all of us are trying to create more opportunities for uh, our students to connect with prospective students directly and get out of the mix and, um, and let them hear from each other. I will say as a consumer of college virtual open houses, um, 
my, my younger daughter and I tried one online event. It was one of these deals that involved several schools um, trying to replicate what they do as a travel group, you know. Um, right. So four places that might come to Louisville and do a big reception uh, instead sure. doing an online thing. It was horrible. It was just <laughs> terrible. It was dreadful. It was, you know, the, the, the deans from each place um, talking and, and sort of fashion like I am, really boring and, and um, uh, <laughs> dry. And um, so I know, that, I know there's limits um, to that. Um, and I, I think that, that sort of boilerplate stuff is really not helpful, um, but where, where you can have informal and direct contact with students especially, uh, take advantage of it. And then I'd say, um, yeah, we're probably not all going to have big admitted student events, um, but that doesn't mean people won't be welcoming students individually to their campuses in the spring. Right. Um, and, and so I, I do think students are still going to be able to visit in some fashion the places they are most interested in. Um, and they should probably probably think about holding some time available uh, in the spring to do that um, and, and hope that we can do that safely. Uh, it's, it's maybe not going to be, though, every school you get into. And as I sit here and talk about it, I wonder if that will push students' decisions later. Right. Now it's time for the special segment of our program called Wait List. Wait. List the best essays you remember reading. Oh, I was afraid you were going to start with that one. Um, <laughs> Oh, I, you know, guys, I'm 51. I don't remember crap as well as I used to. <laughs> um, how, how about, let, uh, give me a second to, to think about that one. I'm, it's so much easier to list the worst ones. Um, isn't Ooh. that? Well, you can do that. that let, me, let me start over and let me, yeah, let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase that then. Let me start over and I'll rephrase it. Okay, Bob. List the worst essays you've ever read. Um, okay, so we're not talking about just the the poorly executed four sentence single paragraph um, football coach essay. I mean, not written by a football <laughs> right. coach, but written about a football coach because that's that's right, a right. that's a stereotypical um, bad essay. But um, there was there was one essay that. Um, it was the most tasteless essay I have ever read. It started out, um, and, and this, is, this is offensive, and, and so I'm going to apologize for it by saying, um, I remember the first time I saw a midget, um, and then went on to detail um, his fear, his irrational fear of small people. Um, and... Um, and he really, I think, was trying to be clever, um, but also talk about something he overcame. But it's a weird thing that you shouldn't really have to overcome. And didn't I don't know. It was just Bob, when I worked for you. Bad. This was one of the essays that I read. This is a, you, re this, you remember this, this one, Derry? Yeah, yeah, this was an applicant in my territory. 
So I remember reading that. I was like, I have got to show this to someone. This is not. <laughs> yeah, I remember very well. <laughs> so, so both of you all have the same bad yeah. essay. It's probably your worst essay you've ever read. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there was, um, you know, um, there was there was one. <laughs> uh, th- there was one where. Uh, a young woman wrote about her band director um, and and it was so transparently throbbing with teenage lust um, that it was <laughs> utterly uncomfortable um, yeah and like just could not even read anymore because you just felt is just <laughs> weird reading it well and yet you had to read more because it was so <laughs> daggone funny um, um you know he <laughs> i mean i don't guys i i can't i don't know what the listenership is here <laughs> so i don't know how but the editors of this podcast have decided to delete the details but trust us it's pretty weird Wait, list qualities that impress you during a student interview. Ooh, authenticity, humor. Um, I, you know, if not, not just ability to be funny, but to, if you're relaxed and confident enough to, to laugh and enjoy yourself. Um, um, and if you are funny, wow, that's excellent. Um, which I think is hard for all of us, um, but especially for students who feel they're being evaluated. Um, let's see. Um, asking good questions. Someone who shows some curiosity about, um, you know, everybody has to, likes to be asked about themselves, right? And, um, and, and so that's, in terms of a strategy, that's always a, a good one. But but someone who seems genuinely curious um, uh, about life and about uh, your school in particular, um, that's always, always nice. List the best concerts you've ever attended. I actually put more preparation into this question than any of the others. <laughs> <laughs> Yola Tengo at... Okay. Uh, Tuligans on Bardstown Road. Danny might remember Tuligans. Oh, might yeah. be too uh, old. Too old for too old for dairy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but definitely I remember Tuligans. Yes. Um, and uh, I mean I don't know if you guys listen to or like Yola Tango, but they just they put on a mind bending show in you know that little room in Tuligans. Yeah. I also saw Smashing Pumpkins in that place. Wow. Can you imagine seeing a band as sort of operatically big as Smashing Pumpkins and, and like your parents' basement? Um, um, okay, so one was Yola Tango at, at Tuligans. Two was um, uh, Wilco at Iroquois Amphitheater. Almost any time they've been there. Um, yeah. Uh, but the... Um, 
uh, not the Schmilko tour, but the one before that, um, I think was my favorite. Um, and then three would be my morning jacket at Louisville Gardens on Thanksgiving Eve or night. I can't remember which. Um, they were they were still pretty young. I think they'd released uh, It Still Moves, but they hadn't yet done um, uh, the uh, follow-up to, to that. And, um, oh, God, it was, it was great. Like, they... It opened um, with the song One Big Holiday, and they had, they, they had like, all these lights and smoke machine, um, but they had this huge white drape across the, the front of the stage, and so you, all you could see were these backlit shadows of their hair <laughs> blowing, uh, and, <laughs> and right when it hit that crescendo at the beginning of the song... Right. The drape dropped, and they just tore into the, the um, crescendo, and it was nice. pure rock and roll excitement. At the um, old Louisville Gardens. Louisville Gardens, I know, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. great, yeah. And then probably four, just because of where it was, uh, Jane's Addiction at Brixton Academy, London. Oh, in, wow. In That's cool. um, Spring of 1991. That's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next time on Admit, Deny, Waitlist. 